Break down for us there, Pat. <laughs> And look who's coming in the hey. door there. There's Darrell. All right. Good morning, Darrell. You know, I haven't even gotten up here, and I've already lost control, haven't I? <laughs> Welcome, everyone. We're glad that you're here today. Welcome. Uh, uh, it is a wonderful day to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? Amen. Isn't it beautiful outside? Amen. This, this weather is just crazy. You know, they always say that, you know, if you don't like the weather, wait five minutes, it'll change. And, I mean, last week we had freezing rain and ice and snow and all this, and today it's like springtime. It's like, it's like God is giving us a little hope, you know, you know, a little foretaste of spring. So we're happy for that. Uh, we welcome you here. I'm glad that you're here, and uh, we're here to worship the Lord. And we welcome our guests, especially this morning. <clears throat> you are very important to us, and, uh, and we hope that you'll be blessed in a special way as we worship God together today. A few, atten uh, few uh, uh, announcements I'd like to call to your attention. Uh, first, our attendance sheets are on each row. We'd like to ask everyone if you, you would uh, uh, take that attendance sheet and uh, fill it out, pass it down the row, and... Uh, check the appropriate box, email address and address, phone number, and, uh, um, and then pass it back down the row as well. Uh, also, uh, several other things that are coming, coming along. Um, many of you know that we have had one of our uh, visioning retreats, <clears throat> and um, Phyllis McElwain is going to be leading some uh, focus groups. And um, these focus groups will be meeting next Sunday. So if you have signed up to be in one of those focus groups, there are two that, that we'll be meeting next Sunday. One will be the Senior Citizens Group, and that group will be meeting at 4.30 on Sunday afternoon. So if you want to be a part, whether you've signed up or not, if you would like to be a part of that group, you'll need to be here at church at 4.30 that, uh, Sunday afternoon. And if, you're, if you don't consider yourself to be a senior citizen, and you would still like to be a part of a group, there will be another group at 6 o'clock. And we will be discussing some of the information that, uh, uh, that we gleaned from our uh, census uh, that we took a couple of months ago and help us to, to, uh, to, to develop our vision for Community Baptist Church and where we want to be and where God wants us to be. Um, how many of you... How many... <laughs> How many of you are still without power in your house? Does everybody have power now? Everybody has electricity. In that case, how many of you are thank... Huh? There's, there's one. Still no electricity there? Okay, so there's one. Most of us have electricity in our houses. How many of you are thankful for those people who have been working those lines and have, have helped to restore power? I am telling you, I am thankful for that. We have, uh, I, I told you last week, those of you that were here last week, that we're going to try to strike upon some way to thank them, and this is what we have come up with uh, on next Saturday, and um, it's a way for us to show our love for these people. It's Valentine's Day. Uh, we're going to provide dinner for them at Kennergy, and so with that in mind, we need some, some help from you. Uh, I think they're going to provide the meats and the vegetables, and we need for, for you to, uh, to volunteer to help with 14 salads and 14 desserts. Homemade stuff, preferably, 
uh, and put in disposable uh, containers so that they can just throw them away. They won't have to keep up with them. Uh, and that we can bring those to the church on Saturday between 2 and 4. And if you would like to participate, this is a great way for us to say thank you to these people. And if you would like to participate that, with that, uh, please see Jerry Wagner and she will take your name and uh, sign you up for that. And, uh, and this is a wonderful, wonderful way for us to say thank you. Uh, also, one more thing. Uh, next Sunday uh, we, is a special Sunday. We will be having a deacon ordination on Sunday. Uh, Brad Fleming and Phyllis McElwain will be ordained on Sunday, and so I know you'll want to be here for that. Let's greet each other in the name of the Lord and, and just spread the love of God with one another.
We're going to do Amazing Love again. This is a song that we did last week. And we're working this into our praise and worship. Let, let. 
are my king. You are my king. You are my king. You are my king. Hey, we have the children down front. How are y'all this morning? Good? You know, uh, today's sermon title is Through the Eyes of Jesus. Have you ever thought about how, what Jesus might be thinking as he looks at us? What are some of the things you think he might be thinking as he, as he looks at us? Huh? Afraid? Why would he be afraid? Oh, but yeah, yeah, we might be afraid, but he's not. You know, Jesus showed showed us a lot of love in that he died for our sins that we might have life eternal. He loved us so much that he, two thousand years ago, he he came born as a, a baby in a manger and grew up just like y'all. But God had a, a purpose for him that he would remove that sin in our lives that would enable us to, to have eternal life with God. In essence, what he was trying to do was restore that broken relationship that he had with his creation in, in us. So we see a great amount of love that Jesus has for the whole world. Y'all know that verse of Scripture, John 3.16? Does anyone know it? It's adults too. Let's say, let's say John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. You know, that's one of the, the most cherished Scriptures in the Bible. And in that, we can, we can see that love that Jesus has for us. Talking about the relationship that Christ wants for each of us, and he has an amazing plan for each of your lives. You know? But we won't fully understand what that plan is unless we share time with him. And, and ways we can do that is reading his word and in prayer. You know, when, when Jesus walked upon the earth, a lot of times he would try to get away from the crowds to where he could be alone, quiet and still, and pray to his Father. And that's what he would want us to do. We can pray to the Father corporately like we are now, but at times we need to get off by ourselves where it's just him, ourselves, and God, and, and, and talk to him. Talk to him just like you talk to your mom, your dad. So this is a relationship that he wants to build in our lives. Okay? What are some things that uh, you think he would have us to do to be more like him, especially nowadays with the, all that's been going on here the last couple of weeks? 
What are some things you think he'd want us to be doing? Or how might we want to see things? Uh-huh. And what are, what are some ways? We've already talked about several ways we can do that in showing that love to other people. And that these crews that are out and about, they work awful hard, long hours. And people are getting together to meet their needs. You know, their laundry has to be washed. They have to have a place to sleep, uh, food to eat. So a lot of people are, are trying to organize that, take care of these crews. Another thing we can do is, is how we check on our neighbors, those that we know that live around us. You know, you might live to someone that's real old. They might not have family that's nearby. You could go and check on them just to see if they're okay and try to meet what their needs are, find out what their needs are. So today, sermon title, Through the Eyes of Jesus, it talks about a, a relationship that he desires for us, that he's already planned out, and it's his desire, and I would hope it's your all's desire to find out what that plan is and, and, and share that love with others as, as, we, as we learn about this, this loving relationship each of us have, okay? So this week, would you do that for me? Check on your neighbors, check on your friends, make sure everybody's okay. Would you do that for me? Okay, thank you. I've got some snicker bars for you.
Our scripture reading for today comes from the Gospel of Mark, from the first chapter, verses 29 through 39. As soon as Jesus left the synagogue, he entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening, at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons. And the whole city was gathered around the door, and he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak, because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, Let us go on to the neighboring town, so that I may proclaim the message there also. For that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. This is the word of God for you and for me. Thanks be to God.
Let us pray. Gracious God, thank you for the sunshine and warmth of today, both <coughs> outside and here inside, on all the smiles on the faces. Bless all those who need your special touch and care today, and we have so many in our congregation who are in need. Thank you for all the opportunities we have to be witnesses of your love. <coughs> the dedication of our gifts of time, talent, and our dollars demonstrates our desire to be your people who have been blessed to share abundantly. Thank you, God. Amen.
Prior to immigrating to the United States, Albert and Elsa Einstein Einstein, uh, lived through the severe economic depression of post-World War I Germany. And apparently, in an effort to save money during those times, Elsa saved old letters and scraps of paper for Albert to write on. Well, years later, Elsa engaged in a public relations tour of American research laboratories. And on this tour, American scientists, in an effort to impress her, explained the latest scientific equipment and developments. And eventually, she was ushered into a high-chambered observatory and was shown another large scientific apparatus. When she asked, what is this one for? The scientist in charge proudly responded, Mrs. Einstein, Einstein, we use this equipment to probe the deepest secrets of the universe. To which Mrs. Einstein responded, my husband used to do that on the back of envelopes. (laughs) There have been many great scientists in the world, but there was only one Albert Einstein. In 1722, The town council of the city of Leipzig was looking for a person to serve as a cantor in the school of St. Thomas and as the organist in the church of St. Thomas. And so the council searched for a new person and selected one who three weeks later turned them down. They then contacted their second choice and he too turned them down. And so they finally decided, as one of the council members wrote, that since the best man could not be obtained, a mediocre one would have to be accepted. And the third choice who they hired, the mediocre candidate for the position, was none other than Johann Sebastian Bach. That poor town council, they had to settle for the greatest composer of church music who ever lived. Charlie Chaplin was visiting the study of his friend Pablo Picasso one day when Picasso made a sudden gesture and accidentally spilled some paint on Chaplin's pants. Picasso said, I'm so sorry, Charles, I'll I'll get some, some spirit and remove it. To which Chaplin replied, please don't, just leave the paint where it is and sign my trousers. Chaplin was joking, of course, that he now owned a Picasso. Someone has said that it's much much easier to get rich than it is to get famous. And there's probably a lot of truth to that. Because there are many rich people throughout the world who are relatively unknown, but there are really not that many people whose names are universally recognized. And there are still fewer whose names are known for generations after their death. Names like Johann Sebastian Bach and Albert Einstein and Charlie Chaplin and Picasso. Names such as these hold a unique place in human history. But there is one name that stands absolutely alone This is what Jika was playing a few moments ago. Jesus, your name. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. The name of Jesus of Nazareth stands alone among all other names in the world. There have been many people who have left their imprint on history. But there's only one person 
who has shattered the wall between life and death. And he was a humble carpenter from a tiny town in a tiny province of a tiny nation. Someone has said Jesus had no servants, yet they called him master. He had no degree, yet they called him teacher. He had no medicines, yet they called him healer. He had no army, yet kings feared him. He won no military battles, yet he conquered the world. He committed no crime, yet they crucified him. He was buried in a tomb, yet he lives today. My friends, because of those lonely hours that Jesus spent on the cross, I think we sometimes forget just how popular Jesus was when he first began his ministry. The scene that we have in our scripture lesson for today takes place at the home of Simon Peter, where Jesus was staying with, with him, and he, they go to his house. And when they got there, they discovered that Simon's mother-in-law was sick with a fever, and Jesus heals Simon's mother-in-law. Now, some cynic has said that Simon probably regarded this miracle with mixed emotions, but, but I want you to notice what Mark tells us in our text for today. He said, that, he said, that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all of the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at his door. Now think of that. The whole town gathered at his door. Can you imagine what it would be like if even a part of our town gathered spontaneously in one place at one time? But it seemed that everybody there wanted to see Jesus. And then a little further on, we read very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And then Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Now, I don't know exactly how to say this without it sounding like a platitude or a cliche. But I really do believe that deep down in our hearts... Everybody is looking for Jesus. Well, they may not know his name. They may not use the same religious symbols and terminology that I, you and I would use. But I believe that in their own way, everyone is looking for Christ. We all have what Blaise Pascal, that French mathematician and physicist and philosopher, calls a God-shaped void within our souls. And sometimes we try to fill that void with all kinds of inappropriate and ineffective substitutes, things like power and wealth and sex and drugs, but nothing on this earth can fill that void except for God. As St. Augustine so beautifully said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. All people everywhere need what Jesus can show us. And what can Jesus show us today? Well, for one thing, Christ showed us, very importantly, 
how to look at God. What is God like? We, ask, we, we hear that question. We may ask that question from time to time. What is God like? I'm here to tell you. God's like Jesus. Is God a personal God? Yes. Is God a loving God? Yes. Is God a, a responsive to our needs? Yes. And how do we know that? We know that because of Jesus. For you see, in the person and in the teachings of Jesus Christ, Jesus shows us everything that we need to know about God. I heard a, about a little girl who uh, once confronted some of the savage and bloodthirsty parts of the Old Testament. You know, those, those parts that make us raise our eyebrow and, and, and kind of wonder a little bit. And she was reading over this, and, 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 um, but it did not make her stumble. It did not make her stumble in her faith, as it does sometimes. Her comment was, that happened before God became a Christian. <laughs> well, her theology may not be all that sophisticated. But if you really think about it, she's not all that far off the mark. For you see, Jesus gave us a clearer picture of what God is like than the Old Testament writers could, were, were able to do, could possibly do. Because Jesus was God incarnate. The Old Testament writers wrote about God from their human perspective. But Jesus is the very essence of God. Equal with God, co-creators of all that is. And Jesus gives us a fuller understanding of who God is. In one of William Locke's novels, there's a, a very wealthy woman who was, has spent half of her life on a tour of the great sights of the world. But in the process, she has grown bored and, and weary until she met a Frenchman who didn't have much money, but he did have a, a wide knowledge of, of the things of the world, and he had a great love for beauty. And so he came along with her, and in his company, everything they saw was different. She said, I never knew what things were like until you taught me how to look at them. And that's the way it is with Jesus. Humanity could never really know what God was truly like until Jesus showed us how to look at God. But Jesus also taught us how to look at life. How do we take life? You know, most of us have had a lot of joys in our lives and some of us have had a lot of heartaches in our lives as well. How do we take life with all of those joys and all of those heartaches? How do we take life with all of its mountains and its deep valleys? Jesus helps us to understand that. Pastor Edward Marquardt of Seattle tells about hearing a former NFL football coach, Sam Rotigliano, speak at a banquet one time. And Pastor Marquardt, he assumed that he, this was going to be one of those jocks for Jesus speeches in which he would be told how Jesus helped him win so many victories and and in his mind he was kind of cynical about all of this he was in his mind he was already humming his favorite football hymn 
drop-kick me Jesus through the goalposts of life, end over end, neither left nor the right, straight through the heart of those glorious uprights, drop-kick me Jesus through the goalposts of life. That's the kind of testimony that Marquardt was, was expecting from this man. But instead, Sam Rotigliano told about how he and his wife were driving with their two-year-old daughter in the, in the car one evening when suddenly a car was upon them and they had an accident. Their car rolled over. Their child was thrown out, pinned underneath. Well, Marquardt was still a bit, a bit cynical, and he was expecting that the football coach would say something like, I, I found enormous strength in myself, and I picked up the bumper of the car just enough for my wife to get her safely out. Or he thought maybe he would say, suddenly a tow truck came along at that very instant, latched onto our car and lifted it up and pulled her safely out. Or perhaps he would say the ambulance arrived and so did the tow truck and she was taken to the hospital where we prayed for months and she was finally healed. But instead he simply said she was dead. Rotigliano went on to tell about how he and his wife grieved so deeply and for so long over the death of their little girl. It was an awful time for them, the most difficult time in their marriage. Time went on and they got pregnant again, but that baby was stillborn. It was too much for them to take, too much to handle, too much to grieve. And as time went by, Sam Rotigliano began to negotiate with God. God, if you will bless us with another child. God, if you will give us a healthy child, we will give our lives to you. We will dedicate the child to you. If you will give us this healthy child, we will be yours and do whatever you want us to do with our, with our lives. If you, if you, if you... And then a quiet voice spoke back to Sam's inner spirit and said, No deals, Sam. No deals. No manipulation. I am with you in all times of your life. So here they were at this banquet, says Pastor Marquardt. And Sam Rotigliano went on to say, God has called me to be God's servant on my turf which is the National Football League. And God rules over all aspects of my life when winning or losing, in triumphs and in tragedies. And then he said, so how about you? Does God rule in whatever your situation may be? Here was a professional football coach who has learned to look at life through the eyes of Jesus. And one thing that he learned is that there are no easy answers. There are no easy answers. The rain falls and the sun shines on the just and the unjust alike. But still, we can trust in God. Folks, don't let those prosperity preachers sell you a bill of goods. Following Jesus Christ will not guarantee you a happy marriage or, a help or healthy children or a fat bank account. But I'll tell you what it will do. Following Jesus Christ will guarantee that you are in, in alignment with God's purpose for your life and that neither life nor death 
nor powers, nor principalities can ever separate you from the love of God. So Christ taught us how to look at God. Christ taught us how to look at life. And finally, Christ taught us how to look at one another. Brad Walden, a senior pastor of Tate's Creek Christian Church in Lexington, uh, tells a true story that he said came from, uh, was related to him by the grandfather of a nine-year-old boy named Mark. It seems that Mark's mother received a telephone call one day in the middle of the afternoon, and it, it was the, the teacher from Mark's school. She said, Mrs. Smith, something unusual happened today in your son's third grade class. Your son did something that surprised me so much that I, I thought you should know about it immediately. And so naturally, the mother became rather concerned. We do that when we get phone calls from teachers. Um, but then the teacher went on to say, nothing like this has ever happened in all my years of teaching. This morning, I was teaching a lesson on creative writing. And as I always do, I tell the story of the ant and the grasshopper. The ant works hard all summer and stores up plenty of food, but the, the grasshopper plays all summer and does no work. And then the winter comes and, and the grasshopper begins to, to starve because he has no food stored up. So he begs, please, Mr. Ant, you have so much food, please let me eat too. And then I said, boys and girls, your job is to write the ending to the story. Your son Mark raised his hand, said the teacher, and, and asked, Teacher, may I draw a picture? And she said, Well, yes, Mark, if, if you would like, you can draw a picture, but you must first write the ending to the story, and then you can draw your picture. Well, as in all the years past, most of the students said that the ant shared his food with the grasshopper through the winter, and both the grasshopper and the ant lived. A few of the children wrote, No, Mr. Grasshopper, you should have worked all summer while you played. I have just enough food for myself. And so the ant lived and the grasshopper died. But your son ended the story in a different way. He wrote, So the ant gave all of his food to the grasshopper. And the grasshopper lived through the winter. But the ant died. And the picture at the bottom of the page, Mark had drawn the picture of a cross. This is the gospel. This is the gospel at its most profound level. We are people of the cross. Jesus died for us. And because of that, we live for him, and we live for one another. And folks, when you understand that, when you understand that Jesus died for you, and that gives us the responsibility for living for each other, when you understand that, life takes on a whole new meaning, a whole new sense of purpose. Christ showed us how to look at God. 
And Christ showed us how to look at life. And Christ showed us how to look at one another. He gave his life for us. And we, in response, are called to give our lives to one another. That's the meaning of life. That's what it's all about. And living that Christ-like life will bring you a joy that this world could not possibly know. So please understand this, that Jesus gave his life for you. And now in response, we should give our lives for one another. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of response, number 502, Open My Eyes That I May See. We've been talking today about looking through the eyes of Jesus, about seeing the world, seeing God, seeing life, and seeing one another as Jesus sees these things. Jesus has taught us to see clearly. And so today we sing this song, Open My Eyes That I May See. And that's our prayer, that, that, we, that our eyes may be opened up so that we may see the truth that Jesus proclaimed. And that truth is that Jesus came to this world. He is God incarnate. He showed us exactly what God is like and who God is. And Jesus tells us about life and about how we need to respond to life. The ups and the downs, the bad, bad things and the good things, with the knowledge that God is always with us every step of the way. And Jesus has called us to live that Christ-like life in our own lives by giving our lives to each other as he gave his life for us. Perhaps you need to make a decision today. Perhaps you need to respond in some way. Uh, to the prompting of God's Holy Spirit in your life. Maybe you've never made that commitment to Christ, but, but you want to do that today and, and uh, accept that love that Christ has for you. Or perhaps you're looking for a church home to be a part of. We invite you to come today as we sing together, number 502, Open Our Eyes That I May See.
as we have come into Christ's healing and forgiving presence, may we go forth to heal the souls of those whose lives are torn. May we go forth to be a blessing to those who seem cursed. And may we go to serve the world as Christ served the world, that God's kingdom may be established in the lives of others. Jesus, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Thank you.